We're going to start a little differently this morning. We're going to hop right into Scripture. I want us to read together Mark 12, 28 through 34. And in my Bible, before we get into it, it is titled, God's Most Important Command. Hear these words. One of the legal experts heard their dispute and saw how well Jesus answered them. He came over and asked Jesus, what commandment is the most important of all? Jesus replied, the most important one is, Israel, listen, our God is the one Lord, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, you will love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. The legal expert said to him, well said, teacher, you have truthfully said that God is one and there is no other besides him. And to love God with all of the heart, a full understanding, and all of one's strength, and to love one neighbor as oneself is much more important than all kinds of entirely burned offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered with wisdom, he said to the legal expert, you aren't far from God's kingdom. After that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. Love God, love your neighbor, love yourself. I so enjoy reading this specific passage because it is atypical of all the other interactions that Jesus has with religious leaders throughout the Gospels. In a rare moment, we see a legal expert saying that Jesus is right, that love indeed is the most important command, more important than even burned offering or sacrifices. Jesus would probably say it's more important than many regulations that hold people back from fully embracing God's love. Karl Barth, a theologian, says this about love. Love is the essence of Christian living. It is also its, forgive me, I don't know Latin, conditio sine qua non, I translated that for us. It is also a necessary condition in every conceivable connection. Where the Christian life in commission or omission is good before God, the good thing about it is love. Love is the essence of Christian living. How do each of us practice love? Why is love so important to our identities in Christ? Like I mentioned earlier, today we kick off stewardship season. During these three weeks, we are going to focus on our church's mission that the kids helped us with earlier. Love God, serve others, transform the world. This is a time and space for all of us to come together and consider why we give to the church. It's also when we come together, take a look around, and start dreaming about our future. The gifts we all give the church is what makes the church the church. It's what creates missions in times of destruction. It's what keeps the lights on. It's a big way we share love with one another. I truly love the ministries of this congregation. I love the way that we do mission work, the ways we come alongside those who are grieving, 
the way we offer small groups and studies and classes, the way our children and youth learn all about how God loves them. I love the way we are the church inside and outside of these walls. And as a congregation, specifically this congregation here in Modern Worship, you all can always expect one big thing from me. I am constantly going to ask things of all of us. There is not going to be a Sunday that passes where we are not asked or challenged to do something. Sometimes it may be to examine an inward thing. Oftentimes it's going to be to take what we learn from the Bible and put it into action in our everyday lives. I want us all to go out and love others the best we can. I want us all to wrestle with the word of God, to wrestle with why we believe and what we believe. I want us all to be involved in the life of the church. Maybe that's attending worship or joining a Sunday school class or small group. Maybe it's simply reaching out to someone you see every Sunday and saying, hey, do you want to grab lunch or go get a cup of coffee? And finally, I want us all to give. And I don't want us to give because I'm here telling you to give or because you feel manipulated or because it's being forced on you. We just wrapped up eight weeks of awesomeness where we spent time focusing on the ministries of the church and why they are each so important. That's why I ask us to give. My family tithes to the church every year, but for each of us here, that gift is going to look a little different. However we give financially, I don't need to know the details, but I want it to be something we're all doing. It's going to differ from each of us, yes. And yes, every year we're going to have stewardship season. And I'm going to stand in front of you and we're going to talk about it. We all need the reminder. Because we truly believe that when we give, we can transform the world. None of our ministries can happen without financial support and passionate people. I am blessed beyond measure to be a part of a congregation who prioritizes giving and does so, so well. I grew up attending church every single Sunday morning, and I remember as a child, my mom giving me a folded check every week to put into the offering plate. I loved dropping something in the offering plate. First off, it wasn't my personal money. <laughs> Secondly, I didn't mostly even look at how much the amount was inside of the checks. Sometimes I got a little nosy, and you could have spotted me looking inside. But for the most part, I loved dropping something in and knowing that it was going off to do big things, that it was a sign of a commitment that my family had to our church. And as I grew older and developed money of my own, I learned that it was much harder for me to part with my money, especially if I was unable to receive instant gratification, something I'd grown used to. The joy I had as a child in putting my parents' check in the offering plate had soured. Instead, I found myself making excuses to withhold, and there were plenty of reasons. I share all of this 
because I understand the implications in asking us to give. I know it is not something that is easy. I know it's not something we all feel like we can do. In order for me to get to a place where I could give joyfully, I had to fall back in love with the church. I had to become passionate about the ministries and the people and the services that the church was doing. I had to become invested personally. And then giving felt like a natural piece of what I was already doing. When we love the church we are a part of, it's natural to give joyfully. It makes sense for us to be confident in our gifts. We're going to hop back into scripture now. We're going to go just a little further into the same chapter. Mark 12, verses 38 through 44. Jesus is still in Jerusalem at the temple. As Jesus was teaching, he said, watch out for the legal experts. They like to walk around in long robes. They want to be greeted with honor in the markets. They long for places of honor in the synagogues and at banquets. They are the ones who cheat widows out of their homes. And to show off, they say long prayers. They will be judged most harshly. We continue on. Jesus sat across from the collection box for the temple treasury and observed how the crowd gave their money. Many rich people were throwing in lots of money. One poor widow came forward and put in two small copper coins worth a penny. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I assure you that this poor widow has put in more than everyone who's been putting money in the treasury. All of them are giving out of their spare change, but she, from her hopeless poverty, has given everything she had, even what she needed to live on. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let the church say, thanks be to God. Often this story is used to illustrate that we too should give 100% of our money to the church, just like the widow who gives to the temple. So a few of you may be ready to get up and leave right now. But throughout history, that line of thinking on this passage has often been used in an abusive way. Sometimes this passage has been used to put people in debt. It's been used to force women to shoulder responsibility and selflessness. This passage has also been used to create a judgy atmosphere at churches. Today, I want to challenge each of us to look at this passage in a new way. To begin, let's consider those first few verses, those verses about the legal experts. Jesus is calling out those legal experts who abuse their power. And it's important to note that Jesus doesn't say every single legal expert does this. We already know from our opening reading that Jesus and that legal expert that he was with, they actually agreed that love was more important than sacrifices and laws and offerings. I like to imagine that Mark uses both of these texts to create some gray area between right and wrong. Yes, sometimes the legal experts do abuse their power. Sometimes they act hypocritically. And sometimes the legal experts truly understand God's calling on God's people. 
there's a grayness sometimes when we talk about things in the Bible and we relate them to our lives today. Both instances of the legal experts can be true. That's the thing about giving, too. We can't truly know one another's hearts or intentions. There's a lot of this gray area. Then Jesus continues on in Mark. He's sitting outside the temple treasury, which I promise I will never do to any of us. (laughs) So Jesus is sitting out there, and he notices that a lot of people are giving money at the temple. This is not unusual. All sorts of people came forward to give financially because the Jewish people were expected to pay a temple tax for the upkeep of this holy place. Let's focus again on what Jesus says about the women. So he calls the disciples and he says this, I assure you that this poor widow has put in more than everyone who's been putting money in the treasury. All of them are giving out of their spare change, but she from her hopeless poverty has given everything she had, even what she needed to live on. Notice that Jesus doesn't say, go be like the widow. Jesus doesn't even really talk about her financial gifts or how much she gave. Instead, Jesus simply points out that she gave everything she had, even what she needed to live on. Throughout the Gospel of Mark, Jesus tries to emphasize that following him is not going to be an easy thing. Jesus constantly tells their disciples, his disciples, that they must pick up their cross and follow him. Not only was following Jesus going to be a difficult thing, it was also going to be a really risky thing. That is what this widow embodies She gives everything. We don't know why. We don't know if this is a desperate plea to God, a bargaining chip, if you will, or if the widow was simply at the bottom of her well and thought, two coins, those aren't going to do anything for me. Might as well give them to the temple. This is that gray area that we're talking about. While Jesus may have known the widow's heart, Jesus doesn't share that information with the disciples. Instead, Jesus points out the things that we can notice and learn from. She gave everything, even her life. When we choose to follow Jesus, that means we're going to have to do hard things We're going to have to live our lives out of love for God, which sounds really romantic and beautiful, but sometimes it's going to be really difficult. I don't think it's a coincidence that this story of the widow happens in the same passage that Jesus and the legal expert agree that the greatest commandment is love, to love God and to love our neighbors as ourselves. Many scholars believe that when Jesus points out the widow, he is kind of foreshadowing something to his disciples. That he's foreshadowing that Jesus gave everything, just like the widow did. That Jesus gave his life for the world. This widow demonstrates her love for God by giving all that she has. Jesus demonstrates his love for each of us by giving all that he is for us. 
I ask again, how do we live out love in the world? During this time of stewardship, I want us all to prioritize giving financially. I want this to be a church where we are passionate about the ministries, so passionate that it's natural that that overflows into all that we do. I want us to give because we believe our community is doing a great job at our mission, loving God, serving others, and transforming the world. And we don't need to know all the details. I'm not Jesus. I don't know what's on your heart. Giving is something that can be deeply personal for a lot of us. But I do encourage us all to consider why we give. Do we give out of love? What's our motivation? And how do we bring about loving God into that motivation? How does loving God encompass every single thing we do? How do we give joyfully? This morning, I invite you to join me in my quest to give joyfully, and in doing so, that we may love God and love the world. Amen.